Welcome to Matters of Life. I'm your host, John Lucier, and I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us and for your faithfulness in standing for righteousness and justice. So thank you and welcome. This evening we're going to talk about not despising the day of small things, which comes from the scripture in Zechariah chapter 4. It's really verse 10, but I'll read verses 8 through 10. It says, Also the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands will finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. And he asked this question, For who has despised the day of small things? But these seven will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord which range to and fro throughout the earth. But that question, who has despised the day of small things? And what the Lord was ministering to me about this is for us to renew our mind and gain the Lord's perspective, you know, his thoughts and his ways, because they are not ours, but they are much higher than ours. And it's easy to read through scripture and look at all the incredible things done by men and women of God. And it's it's also very easy to perceive that these awesome acts of faith were always done or fulfilled by people. And by people, I mean ministers. You, you can look at Ephesians 4 and it talks about there being apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. But people, usually of that, I'll say, office, those offices, that if you would, if we could phrase it in this way, that they made it, that their ministry had taken off and they were now operating at this and being used at this level that's higher than every, where everybody else is at and that they're constantly ministering before multitudes. Especially if we look at the New Testament, but even the Old there's tons of examples where yet people are ministering before kings. They're ministering before multitudes. They're, they're followed by a crowd. Absolutely. That, that's written. And, but that's not the only way that people ministered. There aren't the only people that did minister. And, and even those acts somehow it's perceived that those acts of obedience to the Lord were the end-all, be-all event for the moment. That it was a highlight real event on display for all to see. Again, like I said, some did stand before kings and courts and perform signs and wonders that ministered to each one's need. But it wasn't the case all the time. And it's important for us as the, the body of Christ and the bride of Christ to understand that because each member of the body has a function and has a ministry. And 
whatever your ministry and function in the body is, is vital for the proper working and functioning of the body as the Lord has designed it. Yes, there are going to be people that stand in front of crowds of millions and billions of people. But there are also going to be those that minister just to the Lord for the masses. There are also going to be those that minister one-on-one. And, and I say that to encourage you not to despise where the Lord has you at and what he has for you to do. It is of the utmost importance. And we don't necessarily always understand the impact that that one event, that one is that one act of obedience and faith will have. I'm not knocking huge ministries in no way, shape, or form. There's a need, there's a function. There is a, a role and a part. And I'm in no way discrediting those that minister one-on-one. Because they are just as important to the body as the the ones that are considered global and worldwide ministries and have been for decades. The Lord requires obedience. Will we be found obedient? Will we be found faithful in what he's given us to do? And, and with that, I want to give you some examples of, if you will, the highlight reel so we can get a, a better understanding that not all the time did these events, did these acts of faith, were they witnessed or observed by the masses. But many times they were just one-on-one. That person in the Lord or that person, the individual, and a handful or, or so of others. So if we could, let's in Matthew chapter 3, talking about the baptism of Jesus. So we're going to get into Jesus, and let's start with who he sent as a forerunner, and John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, of course, was given this ministry of baptizing or submersing, immersing in water. But he said, a great, one greater is coming behind me, whose sandal I'm not even worthy to untie. And then Jesus arrives from the Galilee. This is in, in verse 13 of Matthew 3. At the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered, saying to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he permitted him. And after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice came out of the heavens and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Did everybody catch that? If you read 
before that part in the chapter. Yes, John the Baptist, while in the wilderness, is still ministering to the multitudes. He's still baptizing many. He's also exhorting, encouraging, admonishing, and rebuking others to repent and to come to, to Christ. But he ministered to the Lord. And while there are others there, it says very plainly that then after being baptized, Jesus came up from the water and behold, the heavens were open and he, that is John the Baptist, saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and all the rest of it. That was not available or allowed to be observed by the multitudes. That was special to John the Baptist in that moment. Because John the Baptist was looking for the Lord. He made an earlier statement saying, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He knew that in his spirit. Who Jesus is, was, is, and was, and is. Even though he was ministering to others. And then we can look at Jesus. How did his ministry begin? And, and, and this is incredibly important for us to understand. In looking at Jesus and his ministry, of course, we read constantly about there being these multitudes and these crowds. And there are the, the accounts. Oh, he fed the 5,000. He fed the 4,000. And the crowds were probably even bigger than that, right? That's, that's a, a common held thought or perspective because it says that there were 5,000 and 4,000 men that were there. It doesn't count women and children. And you can look at that two different ways. You could look at that one as, well, they only counted the men, not that the men were the only ones that mattered, but that's just who they counted. But then there's the other perspective of, not that there weren't women and children, but if these people are following Jesus around, there's a question of what's the likelihood that they brought their entire family to just traverse the wilderness and the hillsides and not knowing where they were going to be and sleep and all that. I'm not saying it's not possible, but it's something to consider. Or is it more likely that just the men went and followed? as the head of the house, to them bring it to their households. The words of Christ. The words of our Lord and Savior. But back to how he first started, he called the disciples. There were many that saw him, but he only ministered to a few and asked them or told them to follow him. And they did. And then, and this is still in Matthew, it says, Then Jesus was going out Gal throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of sickness and disease among the people, and that the news spread about him through all, all Syria. And they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering 
with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. And then, this is verse 25 of chapter 4, says, Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. But we can see even with Jesus' ministry, it wasn't only the multitudes. There were many times where he got away, if you will. And it wasn't that he was revered. When we often think about, oh, yeah, we've made it. There's a following. People have followed or subscribed to, well, today, in today's day and age, there's social media channels and platforms and how many views do you have on, well, pick a platform or video. And yes, while, while many did follow the Lord, it wasn't all sunshine and roses. There was much resistance. And, and I bring this up because this is our Lord and Savior. And for us to understand this and, and rightfully understand it for our own lives, it's not that there, we won't have trials in our walk with the Lord. But it's about what we will let Him do through us. What will we let Him do? Will we let Him work in and through us and demonstrate His love and His power and His might in us? Or Well, we try to do things of our own power. Back to our opening scripture, the, the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel was not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord. Not to despise the small things. We can look at Matthew 21 with, again, back to Christ. In the barren fig tree. This is just as Jesus is going along the way. that his disciples heard it or saw him curse the fig tree. And then his disciples saw that the tree withered. This wasn't ministering to crowds. It was just as he was going about his day. It wasn't scheduled events and conferences and seminars and crusades and with multitudes, it was as they were going from town to town and place to place and the next thing that the Father had for him to do, being led by Holy Spirit. This was a constant in Jesus' life. And even with many of the miracles, oh, not many, some of the miracles, some had crowds around, some were put out. 
or J. Iris. Or Jairus's daughter. What about the woman? With the issue of blood. It's important for us to understand, or even the transfiguration. This is an amazing thing that happened. And only Peter, James, and John got to see it. And even then, they were told not to tell anyone about it. At least for a time. But that's not even the only ones. Let's, let's go back to the Old Testament. What about Abraham? Well, multitudes followed Abraham. And yes, he, he sat before kings. He warred with other kings. But he mostly ministered to his father and his cousins. His father, his brother, and his cousin, Lot. And Excuse me, not cousin, nephew. Forgive me. And his servants. And then his sons. That's who he ministered to. And ultimately, of course, the Lord through Melchizedek as a type and shadow of our Lord and Savior, as a high priest of the Lord and a king. And he's not the only one. Look at Moses. And no doubt some will say, oh, well, Moses was uh, leading the children of Israel through the wilderness. And yes, that's true. He was chosen to do that. And as a type and shadow of Christ, how was he treated? Was he well received during his time on earth or was he rejected by most? Even the ones that the Lord had given a place and position in Aaron and Miriam sought to replace him. You can argue that the greatest ministry and times of ministry that Moses had were actually, and there were two, were the 40 days and nights he spent on top of the mountain with the Lord. But wait, it was just him and the Lord. And then you could argue that the second greatest times of ministry in Moses' life were when he, in all the times that he interceded on behalf of the people, that the Lord wouldn't smite them all. That he interceded on behalf of the people as the Lord had directed him to or wanted him to do. Not unlike Abraham with Lot and for the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, excuse me. But when you fast forward to the New Testament, Moses is loved, he's revered. He's given a place of honor, as is Abraham. 
one of the episodes, actually, I believe it's the first episode we did. We spoke about Esther and Mordecai, or from the book of Esther, we spoke of Mordecai. Mordecai was used on behalf and to save, ultimately because he was advising Esther. Mordecai was used to bring about the salvation of the Jews in that day. Yes, absolutely. Esther had the the role in, if you will, to take the chance of going before the king without going through all the proper protocol to intercede on behalf of the people. At the guidance of Mordecai, as he heard from the Lord, who, let's not forget, was also facing death at the hands of Haman, a wicked man who had made a gallows ten times higher than all the rest of them. And after that, I'll say Esther was ministered to, who then ministered to the the king, who was moved by the Lord. Only then, or after then, was Mordecai given this place of honor. What about Daniel? Starting in chapter 9, actually I'd say 7, but Daniel had already ministered to the king multiple times. Actually, in even multiple kings. But some of the greatest things that Daniel wrote about were just from his time with the Lord and the Lord encouraging him and lifting him up and giving him insight to the end of days. He interceded on behalf of the people as well. Not in front of the multitudes, in his own personal and private time, even though he was given a place second in all the kingdom as it was about to be overthrown. But his greatest thing was ministering to the Lord and interceding on behalf of the people. And then the Lord showed him great and wondrous things that would take place at the end of days. What about Jeremiah? Jeremiah who constantly is thrown in prison Yeah, he absolutely is a prophet of the Lord, but clearly despised by many. Well, how can you say that, John? Well, it's not known that any repented, that any actually turned from their ways and all his, his warnings and his interceding and his, the words that he gave from the Lord. And it was frustrating for him. 
So much so that he told the Lord he didn't want to speak anymore. And he talked about how his bones were on fire, but, and he couldn't hold it in. He had to do what the Lord put in his heart to do, which was to speak the words of the Lord to the, to the people. And I say nobody converted, nobody changed. Only that's between those individuals and the Lord. But it wasn't enough to stay the hand of the Lord. And by that I mean that the Lord wouldn't turn them over to the th- exact things that they asked the Lord for by their actions and deeds. To serve other gods and other things and be in opposition to the Lord. Jeremiah was in prison multiple times as a result of the words he spoke. Whether it was in front of kings, whether it was in front of other priests, to the house of the Lord, or chief officers to the house of the Lord, he says very plainly in Jeremiah 20, that he felt like he was deceived and, and was overcome and prevailed and had become a laughing stock to the people all day long. But yet we read now, Scripture today, and one can't help but see how mightily Jeremiah was used by the Lord, even though the people, whether that was the, the people within the cities, the citizens, whether that was the kings or anywhere in between, received the word of the Lord and acted upon it or not. He was used mightily. He was even rejected by other prophets. Hananiah's false prophecy. And the words that he spoke were rejected by the people. They liked the words of Hananiah, the false prophet, over the words of the Lord through Jeremiah. What about Ezekiel? Who, yes, also ministered to to many. Brought the word of the Lord. But I bring up Ezekiel because we look at how he was used so mightily. Many of the things that he saw, visions and angels and all and all this, they were observed by him. He was taken in the spirit. And even in, I'll say, one of the most notable chapters in, in the life of Ezekiel, in the ministry of Ezekiel, He's prophesying over a valley of dry bones. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. And he caused me, not he caused us, not a group of us. And it's easy to look on the surface and go, Oh, there's nothing but death and destruction here. 
But the Lord had him prophesy and minister until the dead bones came to life. It's not always about speaking in front of the masses. It's not always about popularity and fame and fortune. It is always about our obedience to the Lord and doing what he's asked us to do. Allowing him to establish us. Allowing him to fulfill his word. And us, through our obedience, to demonstrate our love toward him and our faith or trust in him. Regardless of the situation and circumstance, regardless of what he asks us to do and or what we must endure to fulfill, to accomplish what he's given us to do. Look at the life of Hosea. Lord tells him to take a wife who is a prostitute and to have children. And then each of the names of the children are something horrific. All of it was acting it out as a sign, as a wonder. And even though it was seen by many, all that knew him, all that saw him, all that heard who he was, who his wife was, and heard them call the names of their children in the marketplace and on the street and as they played about their, I'll say in their neighborhood, How many missed the meaning and the significance behind it? Even with, I'll I'll go back to Jeremiah for a second. When the Lord has him go and hide stones in the wall of another city. Who saw it? And who understood the meaning? When he told Jeremiah to gird himself up and to prepare for exile and not go through the wall or not go through the door, but to make a hole in the wall and go out through that. How many people saw and understood what he was acting out? Was it masses and multitudes or was it maybe a handful of people that were probably sitting around questioning themselves going, what the heck is wrong with that person? There's a door or a gate. 10 feet away. But how many wanted to see and understand? And I say it because it's important for us to know it's not always about the numbers. It's not always about people. It's about us doing what the Lord's asked us to do. Regardless of what anyone else has to say about it. What's more important in our lives? Doing the perfect will of God 
Or are we concerned with the thoughts of men? Whose well done are we looking for? We should only be looking for one. And that's the well done of our Heavenly Father. Applying and living out what He has given us to do. His commandments, His laws, His words. And it's what's so beautiful and wonderful about our Lord. Yes, very simply. That he, would be his, that he would be our God and that we would be his people. The structure that he created and what that should look like is different than any structure of any religion in the world. Yes, there is Christianity and there is everything else. Because when you get down to the core of it, every other religion is the same. But with our, with Christianity and our Heavenly Father, the structure is I'll be your father and you will be my child. And that is vital because a parent is always serving the child because especially early on, the child cannot function, cannot live, has no hope of survival without the parent, without their father and mother in their lives. Always having at least one. But as it pertains to our Heavenly Father, total dependence on Him for everything. But that's how he looks and serves us all. Not doing our will or our bidding, but giving us exactly what we need before we even know what we have need of or what and how to ask for it and go about doing it. Before we've even received the lesson, the teaching, or understand what needs to be done and why? And then what are the if precursors, if you will, the things leading up that denote what's needed? Before he teaches us and gives us that insight and revelation. He's already provided it. That's the structure the Lord created. That's what he sent forth his son, Jesus Christ, to do and to show us, to teach us, to demonstrate to us that we would re- get to renew our mind. And I say that we get to. We always have the opportunity to. Will we take advantage of the opportunity given and actually renew our mind, actually apply what he is teaching us, his thoughts and his ways? uprooting the things that were in opposition that we didn't actually understand or misunderstood even though we read it in scripture. 
need to learn how to function how the Lord has for us to function. As we were saying, it's easy to look at, especially in the New Testament, people like Paul or the Apostle Paul, who was formerly Saul, and say he's always speaking to masses. There tends to be a riot every city he goes to, every place he goes. And while that happened quite a bit, absolutely. He did also minister to small crowds in Bible studies and in homes and in the synagogues. But then let's also remember how the Bible ends with the book of Revelation. It's an entire book given and ministered by one person. The Apostle John, who did walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, during his earthly ministry. But John is being ministered to by another person or angel. It's a person in their glorified state because even in the letters to all the churches, It's written to the angel of the house about getting themselves together, about repenting, about doing what the Lord has asked them to do so that their lamp or their light would not be put out. And three times, at least twice, I believe it's the third time, in the book of Revelation, the Apostle John, who is writing this whole book while exiled on the island of Patmos, or Isle of Patmos, after multiple attempts to try to kill him. They exiled him to the Isle of Patmos. And he has this vision, or this revelation, as it were. But at least twice, if not three times, This person who is ministering to John and and walking him through the things that he is seeing tells him not to bow down to him because he's a servant just like him. But I would ask this question, who did John minister that to? He wrote down the words that he was given to write. But as I just said, he's he's exiled to an island. So in the immediate, you say he ministered it to no one. He had it in this moment of, you could say, solitude with the Lord. And heavenly beings. But if we look long-term, this book has ministered to me and countless others around the whole earth as the writing was passed on and passed down and put into Scripture for all to read, for all to see, to know, to grow, to understand, to mature, in the Lord and in the things of Him. 
So let's get a right perspective. You have a calling, have a purpose, have a ministry. It may not look like my ministry. It may not look like anyone else's. We see that through John the Baptist especially. Yes, there was Moses' baptism, and Joshua also had, had Moses' baptism through the, the Red Sea and even through crossing the Jordan. It was a similar baptism to Moses. But John, the baptizer, or the Baptist, the immerser, depending on your translation, he was the first one called to do that. And he did it through his obedience to the Lord, allowing the Lord and Holy Spirit to guide him, to teach him, ministering ultimately to many, but most importantly to the Lord himself, which is what we're all called to do. The heavenly community is a kingdom of kings and priests ministers to the Lord. And you have a ministry. It's part of your calling, your plan, the purpose, the destiny track, and the perfect will of the Lord or his covenant on your life. Will you enter in and do it, follow him fully in order to fulfill it? To bring it to pass. That's a choice and decision only you can make for you. But I will tell you that it's vital. It's vital for you and for your life and your destiny track. And it's vital for the body or the bride of Christ. So that the body can work properly that it can function as the Lord designed it. Whole and complete, lacking nothing. So I just want to encourage you to step forward in it and not to despise the day of small things, but to cherish them, to recognize and see, understand what the Lord is doing in you and through you in the lives of others, ministering to each one their needs. Amen. We love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful evening.